1: Hello, and welcome to the New Books in Sports, a channel on the New Books Network. My name is Keith Rathbun, and I'm coming to you, I jokingly say live from Macquarie University. We're actually in lockdown here in Sydney. So if you hear my daughter, that's because she's up at 10 p.m. and and furious. Uh, So I'm here in lockdown, and I'm here speaking with a good friend of mine and an author of a just fabulous book, uh, I'm here speaking with Philippe Vonard. He is a, a senior research fellow uh, at the Université de Lausanne, uh, funded by the Swiss National Science Foundation, and he is the author of well many things. But here we're talking about his one of his recent books, uh, Creating a United Football or Creating a United Europe of Football: The Formation of UEFA. 1949 to 1961. This is out with Paul Grave Macmillan in 2020. Welcome, bienvenue, I should say, Philippe. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, hello, Kiss. Hello, everybody. Very happy to, to be here and to discuss a little bit with you about this book.
1: Philippe, can you tell us uh, at the beginning, um, you know, how you became a sports uh, historian and what how did you develop this project on UEFA
0: oh wow it's a it's a long long history um but um, first um i have to say um I'm, I was born in, in, in Lausanne forty years ago and I did all my my school here comprehensive school college but i i study more economy you know and and after i'm I worked during uh, two two years in, in a bank, but um, I, I always thought that I was not in my place. And uh, when I remember th- my time in school, I was always interested in history, in French, in geography. And finally I said, okay, perhaps one time I have to do something in in, in this with this topic, and I come back to study at at twenty-five years old, you know, to the university, and I, I became uh, a bachelor in, in political sciences. And then um, I, I was lucky because um, at the University of Lausanne, it was, it was the beginning of the sports institute, and uh, when I finished my bachelor, there was this, this opportunity to do a master Called uh, social sciences and sports, and it means uh, half time, of course, in in social sciences, anthropology, uh, sociology, history, and half time of uh, uh, specialization in sports uh, history, sports sociology, sports psychology, and uh, so it 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 was a very uh, a good time, and uh, so I'm. I did my my master, and then at the end, I I complete a, a master thesis about the, the beginning and of the European Champions Club Cup, and that is uh, we we were in nineteen uh, or uh no, no 2010. And uh, at the end of this process, my 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 supervisor Nicolas Boncel, he he told me uh, if I I wanted to 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 do he asked me if I want if I want to do a a PhD, and he hired me as as assistant. So that is when when it 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 begins. And you've you've
1: um kind of this will jump into the the book, but. You've kind of centered the question of European identity in most of your work, Philippe. So I, I wonder if you could, as a as a way of segueing into into this particular book, talk a little bit about how important is football for European identity for you? I mean, it seems like that's the center the center hinge of some of your work. So can you talk about Europe Europe and football? What what's going on there?
0: Yeah, it's it's a huge uh, huge question, I think, because uh, first, um, but what does it mean European identity? And um, particularly, the the, the sociologists are very uh, careful with these terms. They prefer uh, probably to speak about consciousness, or uh, in French, uh, sentiment d'appartenance. I don't know if you can translate this, but. uh,
1: of oh, a, a sentiment of of almost like feeling, maybe I don't know. A is not. I'd have to look it up, <laughs> to be <Yeah>. honest. <laughs> okay.
0: So, it, but but it means perhaps something a little bit less uh, less strong, you know, than yeah. uh, identity. And but belonging, wh- maybe. Yeah. 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 Perhaps. Perhaps yeah. And but and wh- why is they use this? Um, it's it's because. The I think oh, historians and sociologists are, 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 are agree to 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 say that the, the, there are some links between European in a short, long term and and one of, of finally my, my work was also to to emphasize the fact that football uh, could be. Uh, like, uh, a bridge, uh, or, uh, or a point, uh, that, that creates, um, like, uh, a, a union between, uh, the Europeans. Why? Because, because football is, 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 ma- is mainly a European game. It, wa- it was, it uh, was, uh, created in this continent. And when you travel around the continent, what, what, what do you see in, 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 big, in big cities or in small villages? You, you, you always uh, see a, a football pitch or you, you, you often see people that play football even uh, you have not a real pitch, you know. So um, f- football, uh, it's, it's not the, the most important sport in all European countries, but in all European countries, you you have uh you have uh football clubs and football is is one of the of the most important sports so 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 i think uh, uh, what what i try to to see is to the role of 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 football in a long term perspective in in this link between uh europeans and uh, it is difficult to identify uh, this process, so you have to choose one, uh, perhaps one topic. And my, my, uh, my choose was around European competition and also uh, European uh, organization of the game.
1: Yeah, you've you've researched. I mean, a number of different competitions, as you say, there's in, as well as the, the the European Champions Cup, as you talked earlier, the Middle Europa Cup, and this is kind of in some ways a culmination, I feel like, of some of that earlier work, because here you're taking on the big, you know, the the, the biggest thing in in European football organization, in some ways, UEFA. So, can you tell us, just give us a little bit about what the book's about? So that people who haven't read it like I have uh, can get a sense as to what creating a United Europe of football it, it, it is about.
0: Yeah, um, uh, but ju- just perhaps around the context, I just come back. So uh, why, why finally uh, I have uh, begun this, uh, this study? So as, as I said, when, when I was hired um, uh, to be assistant of Professor Nicola Boncel. The idea was also but to, to help him with, with lessons, with administrative part, but also to do a PhD. And my, my master's thesis was around the creation of the European uh, Champions Club Cup, so the idea was to, 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 to understand why this old project, so, because you have already project to create a U, European competition for, for, for the club since the interwar period, but why this this project has been finally realized in the middle of the 50s, in a time where Europeans were mainly divided by Cold War? So it, it's 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 very interesting to to see this, and I try to to understand okay the the goal of the main promoter, but also more generally what what change in European football that permits the fact that the promoter managed to create the competition you know so I, I think it, so the, the, the the goal of promoters has has always to be related to to a general context and particularly the the, the economical uh, the political the mediatic and institutional context of football so that, that was the the, the the beginning of my reflection, and then. I I wanted to, to go on with, with this topic of uh, European competition, but, you know, and you are historians too, uh, Kiss, sometimes you, you find incredible materials, and these materials uh, have an impact on what you are doing. And in my case, it was this wonderful UFR archives, you know, the the European, uh, U, the, the it's the Union of, of uh, European uh, Association, you know. And uh, in 2011, I, I was lucky to, to go there and to, to see that there were a, a lot of uh, folders, uh, incredible stuff. And I, I realized that finally very few scholars uh, have, have had access to this, uh, to this, uh, materials. So it totally changed my, my, my goal. And finally I said, okay, I have to do uh, an history of the beginning of UEFA by using these uh, materials. And so uh, at the end of the process, what I can I say about this book is, you, the, the book has, has three different axes. You know, the so first one is to understand what uh, the you, the creation of UEFA the middle of the of the fifties change for European football. What what UEFA brings new to U, European football. So the second uh, axis is to understand why UEFA. Uh, this pan-European organization uh, has been created in the middle of the 50s. but how the, the football leaders managed to create a pan-European organization that is very um, uh, special regarding all the other European organizations that exist at, at this period in culture, in economy, in, in technology, uh, in sciences because the mainly, uh, the, the, mo- the main, the, sorry, the most of this organization are composed by Western European countries. And the third axis was also to understand why finally UFA has been created in the middle of the fifties, and to understand this, it was important to, to, to relate this to the global history of football and notably the change in, in the FIFA organization and also the role of the South American leaders in this process.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things I really, um, in, in reading it, I was surprised by, but also that I really appreciated about your book is that it's not just a kind of continental study of European football um, it's not just a, a, a deep dive into some of the personalities that helped bring UEFA into being, but that it does take a global frame. And it explains that UEFA wouldn't have happened in the way that it happened if it hadn't been for its uh, context within this infighting within FIFA. So, I, I mean, what, for people who are listening, that one of the reasons to read the book is to understand the formation of UEFA. Another reason to read the book is to understand the emergence of UEFA within the broader context of uh, global football. So that, I mean, I have to applaud you for that. That was really, um, I thought, was one of the excellent parts of the book. Philippe, I want to turn us towards um, some of the content uh, and more. And I, I was wondering if we could start out in in your uh, first, uh, well, I guess your first body uh, chapter, reorganizing European football, you get into um, some of the reasons why the the interwar wasn't the moment and why the 1950s was the moment when this had to happen. Um, so I, I wonder if you can start us off by talking about why didn't a broader pan-European System originated in the 1930s, and why did it have to wait to the 1950s? What are some of the factors that led to the 50s being the moment when it could happen?
0: Yeah, well, I think um, an important precision here, also for the people who are listening, um, is uh, of course the, the 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 book published in English. It began after the Second World War, but but in in, in in my my PhD a thesis was from ninety to sixty, and the French version it began uh, during the interwar period and it goes to the sixties and and I think it is important to to say that because my 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 war reflection it's it's not from from the end of the forties to the beginning of the sixties it's it's taken also the interwar period that is why probably you, you 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 ask me something about what's <laughs> what's happened before the the second world war yes and,
1: the big context
0: <laughs> yeah 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 um now but uh, a, lo- a lot of things change uh, after the, the the second world war and i think of course the the international um, as uh, Barbara Keys as, as I think rightly spoken in, in, my, in my idea of, of a, like an international sport community during the interwar period. And we can probably also uh, talk about a European football community during the interwar period because you have already a, a, a lot of exchanges, uh, the, the FIFA created in, in 1904. Uh, during the interwar period, it was like like kind of of, of uh, a, a European forum, you know, for the for the football leaders, for the journalists too. Uh, the, the, the the first edition of the of the World Cup, particularly uh, the, the edition in Italy in in, for, in 34 and in France four years later, it's it's also mainly composed by European. Uh, national team. So of course the, the, the during the interwar period you have you have already exchanges between between European. But what what changed after the second world war you have you have different kind of process. Uh, first, you have of course, the development of football in in the world. And uh, the development of football uh, means that you have a new associations that are created. Uh, notably in in Asia, in Central America, and this association wanted to 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 be membership of FIFA. Second, you have also this, and it's it's of course related to the first one. It's it's a decolonization process because with decolonization you are more and more countries, and these countries wanted to play at international stage and to have. Uh, uh, like a national team in football, but also to be representative in FIFA uh, could be a good opportunity to be recognized by the international community. So you are more and more member uh, in in FIFA, and uh, I think also an important point that we 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 um, it is important not to to forget. It's a comeback of. The uh, for uh, British Association in uh, forty six, and the British as Association. Uh, I think uh, you have already uh, many scholars that have pointed out this, this point, ma- notably Matthew Taylor and others. The fact that that during the interwar period, the the, the British Association were were uh, sometimes in FIFA, sometimes outside FIFA. You have, uh, I think. Uh, uh, very very interesting paper by Peter Beck on, on this point uh, but the fact that after second world war the, the four British associations came back and they wanted to play a role inside fiFA and and they 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 said, okay, we have to reorganize fiFA uh, to accommodate the structure to be more finally uh, in phase in phase with what's happened in the world. And in the meantime, you have also the arri- arrival in forty-seven of the Soviet Union. And Soviet Union wanted, and I think Jennifer Parks and Sylvain Dufresne have, have well shown this, have, have also this, this idea uh, very quickly to be part of this uh, uh, international sports community and play more and more important role. So all, all these things make that at the beginning of the 50s, uh, we, we need some change in FIFA's uh, organization.
1: And, and one of the things that you're able to show, because you've been able to get into UEFA's archives, and because I mean more than other people, I would say you have a, you have a good sense of the key figures, um, you're able to show the tension within FIFA itself. Um, was FIFA accepting of all of these changes? They were all on board, or was FIFA kind of sclerotic and old? Because w- when I'm reading your book, part of the story for me also is the change, the new guard within within European football itself.
0: Of course, uh, I, I've tried. Uh, it, is, it is not. It is not simple because. Uh, uh, in, in two or three minutes, it's difficult to, to, to talk about all of this, but I've tried to. Give me all to, the exact committee members. <laughs> <laughs> to, to describe the, the context, you know, the global context of change. But of course, in this context of change, you have the characters. And you are right. At the beginning of the 50s, you have probably new leaders that merge in European football because of course european uh, football leaders were fact, enfin, european football were, were still in hegemony on 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 global uh, on, on the governance of the global game at this period so the the the, the european football leaders were very important and the the fact that new guys like uh, the the englishman uh, stanley russ the Italian Barassi, Swiss uh, t- uh, Ernst Tomann. the fact that this new guy that, that were already involved in football during the interwar period, but the fact that they began to be active at the top governance of the FIFA, uh, they, 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 they bring, they bring with, with them new ideas and they, they realized that it was necessary to change something inside FIFA, to reorganize the, the organization, to, to, to finally respond to what what I said before, uh, the, the, the fact that you have more and more membership, the fact that uh, you have new actors, important actors that wanted to play a role inside FIFA. The fact also, and we can discuss a little bit later about this point, the, the, the South American claims that exist since the, the interwar period for more representation in, inside FIFA. So, the, so the, these three guys, and, and of course others around them, understand that it was necessary to probably do a reorganisation and finally the, the, the solution was okay, we accept to create some continental confederation inside FIFA to to be finally to, to facilitate uh, the governance of the uh, organisation but of course what they didn't really expect or they, perhaps they didn't think is the fact that this um, continental confederation could quickly develop itself and particularly UEFA and so that's why it's it's very quickly you... you the, the, the governance of, of the game will change. Why? Because you 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 will have uh conflict w- between FIFA that wanted to keep uh, the the hegemony on the on the game and this continental confederations that uh, take year after years more and more power so 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 i think the the fifties is very interesting to to understand what happened in the in the in the next decades in the governance of of the game because you have this this very important change with the creation of of continental uh, confederation
1: yeah and i i mean just from my point of view i mean i think the 50s are historically in a lot of fields but especially in sports history just understudied people don't know and i'm i'm Guilty of that myself. I'm one of the many, many people looking at the interwar, <laughs> but the 50s are under understudied. Um, it, as you mentioned, South America plays such a big role in the story. And you think, uh, if we're trying to understand why Uefa forms, why do we need to go to South America? But your fourth chapter is called the South American model, and you spend a lot of time talking about what South American sport leaders. Um, wanted to do. So I wonder if you can talk us through in a little bit more detail. What is it that South American leaders want and, and, and who are some of the figures there and just kind of like, what is the South American model? Why did, why did you need to have a whole chapter on it?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, I I think um, that of course to, to understand uh, uh a process like the the the, the, the creation of your Europe, European, uh, European bodies, we can only focus finally on what happened in Europe, you know. But as I say, uh, uh, finally, uh, already since the interwar period, uh, th- this European governance of the game uh, was finally decided inside FIFA. But FIFA is not a European organization, it's an international organization. What does it mean? It, it means the fact that you have already in the interwar period some associations that didn't come from Europe, and particularly the South American uh, as Football Association. Why? Because, as you probably know, uh, football was developed in south america in the same line in in the same process as in in europe so perhaps not uh with the same goal but but if you take the chronology is very similar so during the interwar period you have already strong championship strong national sh- uh, national team in south america and what also was very particular in South America since uh, uh, 1915, 1916. You have already a South... uh, Confederation for South uh, American um, uh, 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 Association. And this uh, uh, body, this organization, we, we don't know yet a lot about this confederation. We, we need further investigation. For, for instance, uh, I have a, a good colleague, Lorenzo uh, Jalabert-Damadio. He's finishing a PhD thesis about uh, a reassessment of the first World Cup in Uruguay. And I think in one of two chapters, he will give a little bit more about this, uh, the development of this confederation during the 20s, and it will be very interesting because we don't know more uh, a lot about this uh, history yet. But this confederation already organized a continental conf- uh, championship, the Copa America, and during the 30s, they, they, beg- they begin to be like a South American voice inside FIFA. So it was not all the countries that were agreed with this because due to some uh, political issues, notably uh, at some point Argentina left the, the confederation, Brazil were not, was not already um, um, in, in good terms with, with confederation too. But but what, what we see, it's with the time, and particularly during the 40, you have a reinforcement of the of the power of this uh, confederation of this South American confederation and after the second world war it began really to be the voice of South American in FIFA so for european it was important because when they for instance in in the um, fift, uh, 1952 congress at helsinki the European face to the uh, South American leaders and the South American leaders um, uh, talk in the name of the South American confederation so it was like the the, the European that, that were divided by cold War and other other things were well, faced to like a block you know so it was uh, probably a source of inspiration for guys like uh, Barassi, Ru Toman, and when the the European created uh, the UFA, how you how you, what 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 are you doing when you create something? But you try to inspire about what uh, already exists, and what already exists was this South American Confederation and uh, notably South American Confederation, has uh, received money from FIFA. You know, because on each international game, FIFA perceives 2%. And on this 2%, FIFA give back 1% to the South American Confederation. That means that the Confederation could have a little independence regarding financial issues. So when European Wanted to foster a little bit UEFA. It was important to have this financial uh, independence, and one of the possibilities was to do the same as South uh, American. You know, so that is what I think we can we can indicate that the South American uh, confederation could be seen as like a model for uh, for European. to your happy place for a happy price Go to your happy price, price, line.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, one one of um, the things that your book does really well, Philippe, is that because you've had access to the ZUEFA uh, archives, you can kind of, in, in the FIFA um, archives, you, you, you can kind of piece out uh, the process by which the decision to organize UEFA is actually part of this move within FIFA as well to um, reorganize this executive committee. I, I don't know if if you had to explain that right now. There's so many twists and turns. I think it would be unfair to say like, "Hey, Philippe, explain all the debates that were going on in FIFA <laughs> executive committee." Um, your book does that really well, um, but <laughs> to speed through that <laughs> without punishing you. Um, the, there, there's a lot of internal politics that lead to Europe as a continent needing to make decisions about who to send to executive committee that necessitates a kind of emergence of a confederation. And, and so I, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, that first moment then. I, I, what is it, you know, what is UEFA when it's founded and were there different possibilities for it? I know one of the things that they were thinking about at the time is, what would be the the what was the scope of the confederation? Its geographic boundaries, but also how was it going to be a big, medium, little in terms of the kind of work that it did, like obtrusive or inobtrusive? So, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, when when they were when they decided they needed an uefa? How, how did they decide what kind of uefa they needed?
0: Yeah, of course. Um... As uh, as I said, for, for firstly, it was mainly people involved in FIFA that decided. Okay, we 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 will create the European co- uh, organization. But I think the one of the very important decisions was taken during the the first meet the first uh, really official meeting, because before there were already unofficial uh, meeting between European football leaders to discuss about uh, the FIFA's reorganization process and the opportunity to create a a confederation. But what happened in um, 15 June uh, 1954 in Basel is very important because during this meeting, uh, the leaders decided one important point. They decided that the executive committee of what will be uh, called UEFA some months later will be composed by person who, who will be not at the same times in the executive committee of FIFA. Because we, we could we could imagine that finally they they said okay but uh, we uh, as one of the tasks of UEFA was to um, to choose uh, six members to compose the executive committee of FIFA, we could have imagined that these people could have been also the executive committee of UEFA. But they, they, they choose not to follow this way, but to finally separate the thing. And this separation was very important in the future. Why? Because finally, you you have two uh, like two uh, bo- like, like two group. You have the executive committee of UEFA, and you have the the guy who have representative from UEFA at FIFA. But uh, it not does it mean? That these people will be agree on the same line. <laughs> and what, what, what will be problematic? The fact that the people we work at, 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 for FIFA, we want, want it to foster FIFA. And in the meantime, the people who we work at the executive committee of UEFA wanted to foster UEFA. And that's why you, you will have, uh, during the, the, the five first years of UEFA very quickly some tension between uh, this, these two groups. Uh, and it is only at the end of the of the 50s, beginning of the 60s when uh, promoters as Barasi Toman that were inside the FIFA Executive comi- committee understood that okay but UEFA is now independent from FIFA. Uh, that we accept this and we try to find some compromise, you know. And so they, they were very, for instance, the the, 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 the the European leaders in FIFA Executive Committee were very against the idea of a European uh, competition for the nation. Why? Because they, they thought that it was a concurrence to the World Cup. And we have to imagine that in the 50s, World Cup was not the World Cup as we, we know now. It was, of course, already an important competition, but it was not so huge that now. So they thought, this leader thought that it was perhaps a concurrency in, in the possible development of the World Cup, you know. Uh, as of think thing, uh, when UEFA asked to follow this South American model, that FIFA... Uh, gave 1% of of on on the 2% of of the money that FIFA received on international games between between a n- national uh, European team FIFA FIFA said but but uh, we 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 will take money that is important for our development so you will kill finally the FIFA you know so so the, the, and so that is why in it was very complicated and uh, it's very funny because in UEFA archive I've, I found the first flag of, of UEFA you know and this first flag you, you have the name of UEFA but before you have uh, uh, at the top of the flag you have the name of FIFA and in uh, 1958 the name of FIFA was finally um, uh, erased from the flag, you know. So it, <laughs> and and it shows that finally UEFA was more and more independent from FIFA. And also other funny thing at the beginning of the sixties, when when you have again new discussion about the possible reorganization of FIFA, you have. Um, uh, a meeting between the board of UEFA and board of the South American Confederation to see what could be the better strategy to, un- to unify their strengths against the Executive Committee of FIFA, you know. So it, it, it's, it's really interesting how it, it was a, a time of, of trouble, but it, but with the time when we see this, it's normal too, because as I said, the the creation of the continental confederation it was a huge change in the in the finally in the football uh, in the global football governance.
1: Yeah, I um, one of the one of the other things I liked about your writing of it, Philippe, is you can really see how some of the the UEFA leaders are very savvy about their relationship with fifa antagonistic at times but often conciliatory and also willing to hide behind fifa if they needed to like in these disputes they had over the geographic boundaries of uefa is turkey in is israel in they were quite happy to to pass the ball to fifa and go no no you decide these sticky questions (laughs) like we don't want to actually deal like we don't want to come down on the question of whether turkey is in uefa or not so why don't we give it to you and you make you make a tough decision? Um, yeah. I, I did. Yeah. I did like that.
0: Yeah, on this on this point, it's also very f- interesting because I have I have uh, pointed out the of course the the conflict, but in the meantime, you have also a lot of com- cooperation. And when you saw the history, you see that you have o- often a uh, transfer from, uh, look, uh, Janine Fantino now, he was a former uh, UEFA general secretary. Uh, In the past, uh, the first UEFA president, Ebe Schwartz, so that he he fight a little bit against FIFA executive board on on some point. But after, when he resigned from his position from UEFA president, what, what happened to him? but he became one of a member of the uh, FIFA Executive committee. so that, that's why you know it's it's always a, a game uh, of strategy, you know, you are sometimes against, sometimes with. And uh, I think w- one also uh, the goal of of my book, and I think in the French version, as it is more on a long duration, you, you see probably this better, was also to to understand the strategy of the, of the football leaders to manage with all this uh, conflict, you know, inside the organization. How, how they, they manage to, for instance, to limit the influence of a country. How they, they manage... Uh, the fact to, to create a unity despite the Cold War, how they manage finally to accept or not um, uh, association inside the, the body. And and I think, and it was my my axis too, I tried to understand all this strategy that could involve in in or uh, improve or change uh, during the time, huh? but all this strategy... That that uh, the football leaders try to create to to keep finally this community together. And yeah. And, I think, uh, yeah?
1: So I was going to say, actually, I think that comes a lot of that comes through very strongly. I I, I didn't want to quite turn just yet to the Cold War. I wanted to ask another question before that, but the 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 throughout throughout especially the chapter in the Cold War, it's very clear. Um, the specific choices that people within UEFA make to um, make UEFA more palatable across that the, the Iron Curtain across the divide, whether it's um, you know pre- putting people into positions of power who were diplomats who spoke more than one language, who were naturally conciliatory, well liked, who came from small countries, <laughs> um, especially. Belgium or Switzerland or Denmark, mm-hmm. <laughs> countries that were uh, less offensive to um, either side. <laughs> yeah, A lot of the, I think that all came through very, very clearly. Uh, before we go to the Cold War, though, I just for my own interest, and I think for other people's interest as well, I, I would feel remiss if we didn't talk about the beginnings of some of the major cups. And, and that also um, brings in another actor into your story, which is that FIFA and UEFA weren't just competing with each other but they were also competing with these uh, sports impresarios and and journalists who were trying to start kind of competing competitions uh, as well. And you can think about figures like Gabriel Hano. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about, because uh, Philippe, you write so much in other places about cups and competitions and how these competitions lead to cooperations. I would would feel like if I didn't ask you about this, it's like not asking, you know, myself about vichy that's so central to (laughs) what you work on so um can you tell us a little bit about all the competitions and how that drives the growth of uefa Uh,
0: of course and and thanks for the question because it is also an important aspect of what changed during the 50s because uh and Till now, during this discussion, I've focused mainly on the organization body, on the football leaders that are involved in FIFA and UEFA and national Association. But, of course, uh, this European football community that merged probably uh, during the interwar period you, you were, was composed also by a trainer, by journalist by probably some, as you said, impresarios that um, manage some tourney. And uh, of course, all these people have, have also ideas. And as we know, uh, notably in, in, in a lot of sports, uh, journalists and, and newspapers play a major role in the creation of competition. And so what's happened during the 50s as uh, you have this this new context. That is what I, I've I've uh, uh, explained probably a little bit better in, in the book published after my master thesis about uh, around the the, the 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 creation of the European Champions Club Cup. But um, you you have this new context of European football. You have the fact that you have probably a new step in professionalism that need new the, the necessity for the big club to 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 find a new income uh to finance the players uh you have also uh, some uh important leaders at the top of some clubs that wanted to 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 develop this international exchange as uh, Bernabeu for instance at the top of the Real Madrid Um, You have also the uh, mediatic uh, issue because uh, some newspapers, and particularly the great uh, sports newspapers, the Gazeta dello Sport in Italy, of course, L'Equipe in France, uh, Bola, probably in Portugal, Uh, they they wanted to, to have more and more information to create also more dramaturgy and that helped finally to sell more uh, more newspapers. And so all this context made uh, something favorable for this whole uh, project, the idea to create a European competition. And of course, you are right, guy like Gabriel Hanno, a uh, journalist at, at Newspaper L'Equipe, one time, he, he, he wrote in, the, in, in his journal, okay, it is, it is a time now to create a European uh, competition. And this time also probably thanks to other uh, factors, for instance, the, the use of the airplane that, f- that facilitates to travel during the week uh, for instance, from France to Sweden and to come back during the weekend to play for the Euro Championship game. Uh, the, all this things uh, helped the fact that l- the L'Equipe's idea had a big echo in, in the European press. And, th- and thanks to some network that Hanno uh, that and others has creating since many years because Gabriel Hanno and his colleagues Jacques, Jacques de Rizvic were very ex- experimented journalists. And it was 20 years, more than 20 years, that they travel a lot uh, around Europe, that they follow game. And so they knew a lot of people. And they managed to finally uh, create a consensus around this idea this project of a European competition. And what they made, they they proposed the project to UEFA at the first official general uh, assembly of UEFA held in Vienna in March 1955. But UEFA refused to organize it. So what they did, they, they, they managed with big newspapers and with big clubs to go on and to develop the project. And finally, UEFA saw that. UEFA was very young at this period. And if a project like this will be created, it could be not so good for its legitimacy. So finally, what UEFA did is to take over this project and to say, okay, we will organize a European Championship Cup. And it is very interesting because as if at the beginning in UEFA statute you, you didn't have really um, the, the, the goal to create a competition, finally, very quickly, what did uh, what helped UEFA to, to obtain more legitimacy? It is the competition. And so uh, very quickly UEFA... Uh, created other competition, tried to control all the competition that exists in the continent to foster its own competition. And finally, competition gave also money to UEFA because UEFA took a percentage on each game and also took a percentage on the broadcasting. That begins at at the end of the 50s already.
1: And it is, I mean, one of the things you show is that it's this drive towards competition, which actually leads to FIFA's expansion and its professionalization as they just need to do more. I, I, I want to, I, I guess I really only have um, a couple more questions. I don't want to take up all your time fee, you, but I do want to, I do want to touch finally on on the Cold War, which is kind of um you know, it's a, it's a theme throughout your book and you t- you're you touching on it actually pretty much in every chapter, but chapter six, um, which for me was one of the richest and I can see kind of assigning this as a chapter in, in a class on sports history, for example. Um, but I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how UEFA, more than any other of these European cultural institutions, scientific um, organizations, why is it that UEFA was, able to succeed in, in a kind of pan-european fashion when these other when these other competitions weren't I mean you can even look at Eurovision and there's Eurovision and intervision really only football seemingly um, was able to was able to bring everyone together so why UEFA why football
0: yeah but of course uh, there were tensions uh due to the Cold War. it's not the the UEFA did not manage to avoid all the problems. And uh, at, 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 at some point in, in, in his history, during some games, in the competition, on, uh, around some topic, you can see, of course, the, the tension due to the Cold War. So, and probably uh, my point of view is also influenced by my sources. And as I try to to use what Alfred Val, the famous uh, uh, French historian, historian that have uh, was really a pioneer in the history of football, has written uh, to use the the football ar- archive, les archives du football, the the food, the archive from the, the the football institution, football association. Of course, uh, I I am probably perhaps a little bit. Um, as, uh, how can I say that? Uh, of course probably s- someone that c- that do probably a, a more diplomatic history perhaps uh, and will use also archives from fo- foreign ministry uh, or, or, uh, and so on perhaps he will it will focus a little bit more than me on on the tension. but uh, to 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 come back to your to your uh, question, I think as as I try to 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 show, the football leaders, since the interwar period, because in the interwar period, it was not a time of the Cold War, but you are already the uh, problem with, with the politicization of the game, they always try to manage to uh, limit this the, the impact of the politicization of the game inside their body. So so, so, so they, they they choose a different kind of strategy, uh, often they they, they choose uh, um people very diplomat at the top of of the bodies notably the, the general secretary uh they always try to use to have a discourse in their official um report or in their uh, official discourse very neutral uh, they always try to have like an in financial independency. So, for instance, not like in the United Nations that uh, a country is very important because he put a lot of money on the table. You know, it's not like this. This this kind of organization, FIFA and UEFA, uh, they, they they try to 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 have uh, an autonomy, uh, notably thanks to their competition. So they, they were not independent with one or two countries they were independent with all of their uh, members. and uh, they also try to limit uh, the the impact for, for instance uh, during the 60s inside UEFA you have a well uh, identified block you know you have the block of the eastern country you have the block of the Entente de Florence that is like the Latin uh, country, you have also a block uh, composed by the British and Scandinavian uh, Association. And what the, uh, the UFA leader did with this, it's that all bloc has to be represented equ- equally in the board. So they always try to, to discuss, you know, before the Congress, to limit the, the conflict, to do informal meeting, uh, to okay, to you know, so it's 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 very I think a, a politic of, of strategy, that, and what what I try to to uh, study this, it's because I am very influenced by all the study. That uh, have been um, developed in what uh, we can uh, describe as the international organization uh, field of study, and and uh, you you have really this this field very uh, very inspiring and and a, a, a lot of scholars, scholar, for instance, in the university at University of Lausanne, I have a, a colleagues in in politic, in political sciences. Uh, Lucille Mart- Mertens, she has just published a book called The Depolitization uh, in International Organization, you know. So, so I, I am very inspired by this kind of study and that is why I have tried to put uh, also uh, some emphasis on, on all the strategy developed by the football leaders to limit the politicization of the game.
1: Yeah, I think um, when I was reading that section, it reminded me a lot of recent work by uh, Barbara Keyes and Heather Dichter. I think sports diplomacy is kind of a growing uh, a growing area of English, at least in the ang- Anglophone literature. Although, um, clearly, Philippe, you're way ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah. I, um, I, I um, there's so much more we could talk about, about this book. And, um, I also want to emphasize for people that, uh, at the end you, you in throughout, but, but particularly at the end, uh, you, you, um, for people who are interested in future projects, you, you acknowledge, Hey, there are lots of spaces for future re- research in, into UEFA. Um, so this is not the, the end of the road. Um, I, I I wonder, Philippe, uh, on that theme, as a final question, what can we look forward to to reading from you next? What are you working on now?
0: Yeah, I, I think regarding what you have said about uh, studies, uh, I I think I've just I've just did uh, a little step, you know, and. Uh, I, I would be very happy if, if other scholars, uh, young students, uh, will do some PhD, or notably uh, about uh, the, the, the relation between UEFA and other European organizations, uh, also about the role of some countries, you know, for instance, uh, Soviet Union and UEFA, Yugoslavia and UEFA, or Spain and UEFA, you know, and uh, and it could be probably very helpful because it will be in complementary of what I've tried to to do, and perhaps it will also challenge uh, my some of my uh, of my uh, points. And uh, finally, I think also uh, to develop a little bit more this uh, European sport uh, uh, studies. And, and, and particularly to focus a little bit more on the other uh, European organization. We have already some, some, uh, some study or research, but not so much. I know that, for instance, now William Gasparini is, is working, but he's more a sociologist. So it's more on a recent period on, uh, the, this European sport, uh, uh field, but I think it could be uh, next research that we can do, and what I am doing now, you know, I'm, I am very also uh, my, my my way will be probably not the same without my great uh, friend and colleagues uh, Gregory Quinn, that you you know well too, and so now I am I am involved in the, in the project with 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 Gregory uh, on the establishment of. Of uh, sports in in Switzerland at the end of the of the nineteenth century. So we are doing uh, uh, a database uh, on sports leaders, and are also focusing more on the cultural transfer of football in the in the Geneva and Lausanne area. But it is true that probably in the near, near future I will come back. A little bit more on international sports, and uh, I would like perhaps to do something on the beginning of the internationalization uh, of sports, because I think, uh, uh, of course, you are right. Uh, thanks to to the to notably the, the work of Barbara Keys and Christian Eisenberg, too, we 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 know already a lot, but we we have still things to do with this. I
1: well, I hope we don't run out of topics. I, you know, I think we can't. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I'm drinking. Thank you very yeah. much, Philippe.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, thank for, you to you, Keith. Uh, it yeah. was a pleasure to discuss with you, and also th- thank you very much because I see that you have do uh, you you have done a careful reading of of my book. So it's uh, it's make me very happy.
1: Well, now I need to read the French version. I'm like, oh, I've missed out. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I haven't yeah, read the French version. Now I feel like, oh, you're right. It is longer. It has more. But um, that'll have to be a, pro- a, a project for another day
0: <laughs> right yeah, now. Yeah, probably. Uh, ju- just for, for the people that are listening, the French version is free. Huh? You can upload it free on the editor website, Peter Long.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, otherwise, um, uh you you are paul grave mcmillan uh, 2020 i've been speaking this is you've been listening to new books in sports i've been speaking a uh, channel on the new books network i've been speaking with philippe bonald who is a senior researcher at the Université de lausanne funded by the Swiss Nas- national science foundation and we've been speaking about his book As I said, an excellent book, and and, and really a necessary one if you want to know about UEFA's uh, origins. The book is Creating a United Europe of Football, The Formation of UEFA, 1949 to 1961. It came out uh, in 2020 with Paul Grave Macmillan. Although, as Philippe mentions, there's an earlier French version which is free um, if you can read French. Uh, So um, I encourage people to pick up one or the other depending on their facilities with different languages. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us, Philippe.
0: Thank you too, uh, Keith. And uh, of course, I hope that all the people that uh, uh, are listening are are in good health and good luck to everybody with this uh, difficult situation that we are living now.
1: Bien sûr, uh, bonne chance et bon courage à tous. (laughs) D'accord. <laughs> Alright, Philippe. Super.
0: Merci Kiss.